Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, one more time. Let's give it up for all the moms. Oh, man, that's great. That is great. We love you, moms. And hey, would you please help us welcome all of our locations right now and everyone watching online. So glad that you're joining us on this Mother's Day weekend. And I just want to remind all the ladies, tomorrow night, Sisterhood United, right here at the Arena Campus. So I want to invite all you ladies from all of our locations to come out tomorrow night. You don't want to miss it, 7 o'clock with Valerie Burton. And speaking of that, we have with us a mom, a very special guest speaker, a friend of celebration, and she is spending her Mother's Day weekend with us. She has her husband Jeff here, and she even brought her mom uh, here today and their little boy that's back in kids' ministry, but we just love the Burtons, and many of you have heard of Valerie Burton. She's an amazing speaker, an author, a life coach, and just has a phenomenal call on her life. She's been on all the major networks and Today Show and stuff, and and the word on the street is, when Oprah really needs good advice, she calls none other than Valerie Burton. We're speaking that prophetically, right, Valerie? We're speaking that prophetically. Come on, celebration. I want you to give the best celebration welcome you can to Miss Valerie Burton. Thank you. Good morning. I received that prophetically. Have not met Oprah yet. Uh, (laughs) I am so blessed to be here and to be back at Shine. How many of you did I see back in October at the Shine Conference? Quite a few of you. It was such a blessing, such an amazing conference. And I want to thank you, Pastor Kerry and Pastor Stovall, for having me back. Um, I have the opportunity, God has blessed me to be able to speak in so many places, um, all over this country, in Canada, in Mexico, in the Caribbean, I've been overseas, in Asia, and I have to tell you from my heart, this church operates with such excellence. I have rarely seen the kind of excellence in all of my traveling and speaking that I see at Celebration Church, and I just want to acknowledge you for that. Keep doing what you're doing. Clearly you have a gift, and clearly God has anointed you for for what you're doing, but I just think you set such a great example, and I appreciate the opportunity to be back. I do not take it lightly uh, to have the opportunity to to be in front of you all. Um, uh, I'm speaking twice this morning, I'm speaking tonight, I'm speaking tomorrow, uh, and uh, so, I mean, I just love it here. So I, um, I wanna share a couple of things because many of you, most of you have never uh, met me, many of you have never heard my name before. Um, so I'm gonna tell you a little bit about who I am. I actually, although I live in Atlanta now, I'm actually a, a native of Florida. I was born in Panama City at Tyndall Air Force Base, and, um, and I lived in Florida till I was almost seven. Uh, when we moved uh, overseas, and uh, I decided to come back, so I finished college here uh, at Florida State, and I'm guessing might have some Seminoles in the audience. There we go, see, we always know the Seminoles. 
Uh, I went on to grad school at Florida A&M, so we might have a few rattlers uh, in here. We strike. And uh, so it's always fun. It's always fun to be back here in Florida. And I um, feel so grateful that, you know, it was Mother's Day weekend, and I thought, I can't, I can't go speak Mother's Day weekend when my mom lives so close to me. We, it's been a long journey, but uh, my mother moved to our town just south of Atlanta last year, and she was able to come with me. And many of you who were at Shine know I told the story. My mother is a walking miracle. Um, 15 years ago, while we were talking on the phone, my mother had a massive brain aneurysm. And we didn't know what it was at the time, but she ended up in emergency brain surgery. Um, by all medical accounts, she should not be here. She lost her vision, her speech. She couldn't swallow. She couldn't sit up, let alone walk. Her bladder did not function. They told me my mother might never, ever eat again, that she might never walk again. And today, as you can see, my mother is here. <laughs> she can see, she can walk, she can talk. Everything functions. God is amazing. You can't see her. I brought a picture. Y'all can put the picture of me and my mom up on the screen so you can see her pretty, uh, her pretty face. We took that picture a couple of weeks ago. I think she looks more like my sister, uh, but I feel blessed. It's a blessing. If you have your mom, and not everyone has their mom, if you have your mom, be grateful and let her know while she's here how much you love and appreciate her. Um, this is also special for me because I... Um, I really believe it's so important for us to have faith that God can do big things in our lives. And your big may look different from my big. My big was, I know God placed in my heart a desire for happy marriage and family. And I found myself in a place at 36 years old that I did not expect to be. In fact, it was my worst fear uh, that I'd ever had. My worst fear was being divorced. Being a child of divorce, I feared the idea. Some of you may be able to relate. And at 36, I found myself divorced uh, with no children and wondering, could God turn that around? And I have to tell you that you have to believe that if God places a desire in your heart and you delight yourself in him and you trust him and you persevere, that he will bring your dreams to pass because they're not really your dreams. They're the dreams and the purpose that God placed in you. And you have to believe him for those things. So it was a few years that passed and I told the ladies back in October, I kept reminding God because I thought maybe he didn't know how old I was. You understand what I'm saying? Um, that I still had this dream in my heart. And so God blessed me immensely um, when in 2012 I happened to cross paths with uh, oh, an incredible man that I had gone to middle and high school with in Colorado growing up, that God would place my book, Successful Women Think Differently, strategically at the airport so that as he was heading to the plane as a pilot and he had to stop and grab something at a store, he saw that book and he goes, oh, that's Val Burton. And he picked up the book and he took a selfie with it and tagged me on Facebook and I figured out and we lived in the same town. After growing up in Denver, we both ended up in Atlanta. Uh, we had lunch, and one thing led to another, obviously, because he's here today. And in 2013, Jeff and I got married. <laughs> and one of the things I got, and actually I have a picture 
there's my, there's my love. Can you see all that joy on my face? Oh my gosh. And what I got, what I got Jeff is I got this big bonus. I got the bonus of two little girls. And so I've got two bonus daughters, uh, Sophie and Addie. <laughs> that's Sophia on the, on the left and that's Addie on the right. They're now 11 and eight. Addie will be nine later this month. And um, God also knew that I had this desire in my heart for children. And so uh, Jeff and I, we, we tried and we have not uh, had children uh, yet, but God said, hey, there's more than one way to have a child. And so last summer he blessed us with a baby boy, a 15-month-old boy. Obviously, I did not, he didn't come out of me, uh, but he came to me and it was God's blessing. And so that is Alexander. <laughs> He is so full of energy, and this is my first Mother's Day as a mother. And uh, so this morning, this morning, Alex was so cute. He, uh, I, my mom was giving me a hug this morning, and Alex, our rooms are connected. Alex ran in the room, and he told her, my mommy, my mommy. That's, you know, he's in that stage. Everything is his. And so um, we, we are so blessed, our family. Um, so this time... Uh, three years ago, I was single with no kids, and now my life is a little bit different. I'm uh, married with three kids. That's the way to do it really fast. You know, God, <laughs> God has a plan that you wouldn't even be able to figure out if you tried, and so I am just so blessed. I also want to say happy Mother's Day to all the bonus moms out there. Are there any other bonus moms? out there, yeah. I don't call myself a stepmom and they don't call me their stepmom, I'm their bee mom. Um, and you know, God brings our families together in so many ways. And we just have to be open to what he's trying to do. We try to orchestrate things and we try to tell God how to do what he needs to do in our lives and what we need to do is step back and say, Lord, I surrender it all to you. I trust you and I trust that your plan for me is actually better than anything I could come up with and tell you. In fact, that is biblical. We know to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think or imagine. So with that in mind, I wanna talk to you this morning about having faith, big faith, for the dreams and the desires that God has placed in your heart. So if you will just bow your heads for a moment, let's, let's just pray. Lord, we come to you this morning grateful God, you have been so very good to us. Lord, thank you for the mother that brought us into this world. Lord, we thank you for every mother in this sanctuary today, Lord. We pray blessings upon each family, Lord. We pray for those who no longer have a mother, Lord. We pray for those who are estranged from their mother, Lord. We pray for peace and we pray for reconciliation, Lord. We pray for comfort. And Lord, for those who do have a mom and do have a relationship, Lord, we pray you strengthen also those relationships, God. We pray that for each mom, you will give her the energy that she needs, the wisdom that she needs, the strength that she needs, and the support that she needs to be all that you've called her to be. And help each of us to be a support and an encouragement to the mothers in our lives. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would bring to mind for each and every person that can hear me, the dream, the nudge, the hope that you've placed in them. Help them to understand exactly what this me message means in their lives, Lord. 
and help them to have the courage to move forward in specifically the ways that you want them to move forward. Lord, we just say thank you again, Lord. We worship you, we honor you, we praise you, Lord. You are so good. You're so good that we couldn't even say thank you for everything because you've blessed us so much that it's just overwhelming. So Lord, we just say thank you for the stuff we don't even think to say thank you for. And forgive us for taking it for granted, Lord. We love you so very much and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. So I, I wanna start with the very definition of faith. The definition of faith we know can be found in Hebrews 11 and one. And it very simply says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I wanna park there for a moment because oftentimes we're not hoping for anything. The thing that you really want, you may have decided to stop hoping for it. And sometimes we do that. We feel like God's taking too long, we feel like the disappointment might be too painful, and so we quit hoping. But when we stop hoping, we start settling. When you stop hoping, you start settling. You start settling for less than what God has in store for you. And we can settle in a lot of different ways. There might be some of you in here, you may know someone, and they've settled in the area of relationships. You've said, Lord, it's taking too long, and well, this person's here, and well, I know that we don't share the same faith, and I know we aren't really equally yoked, and I know that this, this just doesn't quite feel right, but I don't really wanna be by myself, so I'm just gonna settle right here. And you know, when you make permanent decisions out of temporary circumstances, you will always find yourself at some point stuck and unable to get out because permanent situations, permanent decisions that we make based on temporary circumstances are always based in fear. It's always based in fear. So for some of you, you might be settling in the area of your career, your professional life. You know there was something else you wanted to do and you found something that was a little bit easier. I remember finding myself in that spot. I, I went to Florida A&M and got my master's in journalism, um, and I had actually wanted to be a television reporter, and I didn't believe that I could do it. And so I decided I would go into public relations because it was easier for me. It was easier because I knew I could get into it, and I wasn't uh, nervous about the idea of being rejected. Rejection is my core fear, fear of disapproval. Whatever your core fear is, it's probably something that shows up in each and every area of your life. And so when you start settling, you always have to look at, where, how's the fear showing up? So maybe it's not in your career. Maybe it's not in relationships. Maybe you've settled when it comes to your health. You've gotten tired of losing weight and then gaining it back. I won't ask anyone to raise their hands on that one, but you've just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just gonna be this size. This is just the way God made me. I know they say I'm 80 pounds overweight, but I'm just gonna park it right here. This is cute. This will work for me. And it's comfortable. Are y'all with me on this? Because we find those ways when we, well, you know you're settling when you begin making excuses. When you begin coming up with reasons why it's really okay. 
when you start excusing behavior that you already know is not excusable. Some of you may be settling in the area of money. You've dug a hole into debt perhaps, or maybe you're too afraid to go for something bigger, ask for a raise, raise your fees if you have your own business, and so you just kind of settle right there. You don't feel good about it, but you haven't made a plan to do something more. Am I talking to anybody yet? And so it's so important to recognize that when you decide to settle, what you're really doing is saying, God, I don't really believe that you can do something bigger or better in my life. We don't say it in that way, but that's honestly what our actions are saying to God, and it's what it's saying to all of the people around us. And as believers, I really believe that it is our job to operate in faith, because when we operate in faith, what happens is the people around us begin wondering, how did you do that? How could you possibly believe that at this age you could accomplish this thing? And then the door is open for you to talk about your faith. It's not me, it's God. You see, my God is so incredibly awesome that he can do things that I couldn't even ask or think or imagine. And so when you begin stepping out in faith, what happens is you begin bringing other people into the kingdom, not because you're knocking on their door and telling them what they need to do and what they're doing wrong, but because when they look at your life, they know something is different. So operating in faith is a whole lot bigger than you and what you want. I have to tell you that there were some moments as I was hoping for marriage and family where I just broke down in tears because I felt completely out of control. It's not something that you can just make happen. And so I felt like I had missed the boat. I remember one morning taking a shower and literally just falling to my knees and crying and saying, God, why is this happening? And do you have a bigger plan for me? Do you know how old I am? You understand, sometimes we ask, I, I remember saying, God, I'm gonna be 40 soon, soon. And in my mind, 40 just felt so old for what I was hoping for. I know some of y'all are older than 40 and you're like, girl, you're still young. But that is not what I, especially when you start talking about having kids. I was like, look, let me just have the reality check. You know, when you get to like 30 and 35 and they start saying it might be an issue, but you're still like, well, it'll be okay. But when you hit 40 and you, you ask the doctor and they just look at you like, you didn't get the memo, huh? And so in those moments, when I felt hopeless, I held on to God's word. And I would repeat it. My, Psalm 37 and four is one of my favorites because I, I just knew it was true, but I had to keep saying it to myself. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But let me tell you the scripture that was even bigger to me. It was Hebrews 11 and six, which says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you wanna please God? If you wanna please God, then whatever that thing is, that, that dream that perhaps is buried, I mean, there's dust all over it. If you dust that thing off and say, God, I don't know how, but I believe the dream is still there. I believe you're still nudging me. And I can't do it myself, but I believe that with you, 
all things are possible. And I want to please you, Lord. So I'm willing to walk in faith and I'm willing to believe that something more is possible. So how many of you are ready to believe that something more is possible? Because I got a few words for you if you're ready to believe that something more is possible. Here's the first thing I want you to do. It is important to, I, I say this in my book, Get Unstuck, Be Unstoppable. You've got to build your bank of evidence. What we do is we think about all of the things that have happened to other people. And we look at all of the negative examples. This is where worry comes from. Worry is meditating on everything that might go wrong. Faith is meditating on what could go right. And so what you need to do is look back at the things you thought God could not do in your life that he's done. In fact, these are things you don't even think about anymore. It's the time when you were unemployed and it looked really dire, but somehow God came through and here you are. It was the time when it looked like everything was about to fall apart, but God came through and it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago. You don't even think about it anymore. I want you literally, before this week is over, get a piece of paper and write your bank of evidence of all of the things, the amazing things that God has done in your life that God has done through you, that God has done for the people in your life. I am telling you, whenever I think that God might not be able to do something, I just look at my mother. My mother was such a miracle that every neurologist, every doctor we went through would, went to would say things like this. I've never actually had a patient that made it through a cerebral hemorrhage like that, so I'm just, we're just gonna try this. I just have to experiment because I don't actually know what will work because every other patient that had this happen is not here. But she's here. God did that. So if God can do that, think about the other things that God can do. All of us have those stories. And so to build your faith, you've gotta build your bank of evidence. So there are five specific things that I wanna share. They spell out an acronym for faith. So the first one, the F in faith is fear is inevitable, but it's not a stop sign. Fear is inevitable, but it's not a stop sign. There's this strange thing that happens, and most of us do it. When we step out in faith, we decide to try that new thing. And we step out of our comfort zone, and then we get uncomfortable. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You step out of your comfort zone, your knees start shaking, you start getting nervous, the fear pops up, and then all of a sudden, you wanna jump back into the comfort zone because you think something's wrong. I'm not clear why it is that we think that when we step out of our comfort zone, we're supposed to still feel comfortable. <laughs> if you're feeling uncomfortable, that means you're in the right place. God is trying to stretch you, and if you will stay in your discomfort zone long enough, your comfort zone becomes bigger, and now that's your new comfort zone. You're not so afraid anymore. Some of you just need to stop expecting that you're gonna feel happy when you step out on faith. When you step out on faith, you're probably not going to like how it feels at all. When you have that difficult conversation that God's been prompting you to have and you step out in faith and you open your mouth and you start talking and you think, you know what, I'm not gonna say everything. Just expect that that's exactly what you're going to feel and then open your mouth and say what God is prompting you to say. Are y'all with me on this? So when you step out of your comfort zone, you are going to feel fear. Fear is inevitable, expect it. 
In fact, when you see it, because it's the enemy trying to chase you back into your comfort zone, just go, I see you, I see you. And you know who's with me? God himself. God is with me. In fact, there's a scripture, I, I most often quote it from uh, the first chapter of Joshua, but you see it starting in Deuteronomy and you see it all the way into the, uh, into the New Testament. And it's some variation of this. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. It's very important to notice it says again in verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the left or to the right. We've seen this scripture before. It's so important for us to remember that God would not call us to be strong and courageous if he didn't know we were gonna feel fear. We always hear, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yes, that is true, but it does not say that God says it's a sin to feel fear. God said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, meaning you are not to operate in fear. If fear controls what you do and what you don't do, you've got a problem. And what God is saying is, I want you to be strong and courageous. It says in Joshua 1.6 and Joshua 1.7, it says, be strong and very courageous. And when you skip to Joshua 1.9, he actually asks it in a question. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He didn't say, have I not suggested it? Have you tried this? That's not what he says. He says, have I not commanded you. I learned a huge lesson about fear when I was about 11 years old. Um, when I was uh, 10, we moved to Colorado. That's mostly where I grew up. I lived there through my first year of college. And I would spend all of my summers, though, in South Carolina, where my parents are from. And so that particular summer, my grandmother flew back to Denver with me. And um, she was there for a few weeks. And so one Sunday, while we were there, she went with us up to Estes Park. Estes Park has the highest paved road in the world. It's absolutely incredible. In fact, you end up driving across the Continental Divide in the Rocky Mountains. And so we went up and um, I learned the meaning that day of the word breathtaking because I'll never forget, um, we got out of the car and I ran to the edge um, of where the road was and when I looked down in an uncontrollable way, I just went, <gasps> because I was looking down at the clouds. We were 14,000 feet above sea level. It was breathtaking, literally. And we got back in the car, and uh, so a few minutes later, as we're driving, you, know, get, you get up so high that you actually can't turn around. It's literally just a one-lane road. And so we're going up and up, and if you've ever been high up in the mountains, you may have noticed what I noticed that day, which is that the rails are there, and then sometimes they're just not there. Y'all know what I mean? And I was 11, but I was wondering, you know, did someone plow through the rail off this road or did the workers just get tired? I mean, what happened to the rail? And my grandmother must have been thinking the same thing because she starts digging down in her purse looking for her blood pressure medication. <laughs> and she's yelling at my dad, Junior, turn this car around. And my, my dad's like, Mom, I can't turn the car around. We're up too high. We're just gonna have to keep going. We'll go down the other side. And right about that time, I had to go to the bathroom. And so it's complete chaos, and my dad's like, look, it's Sunday afternoon, there's nowhere to go to the bathroom, you have to cross your legs and just hope for the best, we'll be down in about 30 minutes. And so I decided that's what I would do, I'm sitting there, I cross my legs, and um, I'm just praying, I'm hoping. And it's chaos. And we had driven for about five more minutes, and I saw a lodge. And I'm like, let's stop at the lodge. Even though it's closed, maybe, maybe, 
there's an outhouse or something. So sure enough, we pull in to the parking lot and I have hit the jackpot because there are six outhouses at the edge of the parking lot. And I hop out of the car, I'm not thinking about being in the mountains, I'm not thinking about what's on the other side of the outhouses because I have to go, I am very focused. And so I turn the corner and sure enough, when I turn the corner, there was a moose standing there. Have you ever seen a moose up close? Yeah, a horse has nothing on a moose. This moose was, moose was humongous. He had those big old antlers and it looked like to me when he saw me, he just kind of cocked his head to the side a little bit and I could have sworn he smacked his lips. I mean, he, he was like, mmm, she looks tasty. Chocolatey even. And right about then, I decided I did not need to go that badly. So I backed up, I ran back to the car, I got in, I shut the door, and my, my dad was like, what happened? I said, I said, oh, there's a moose over there. I don't have to go that bad. And my parents were like, okay. And my dad starts to crank up the car, and my grandmother's sitting in the back seat listening to all of this. And she looks at me, and she says, come on here. Now y'all, most of y'all have a southern grandmother. You understand. When your southern grandmother says, come on here, what do you do? You come on here. You do not ask questions. You come on. So we got out of the car. She grabbed my hand. We march across the parking lot. Like she's mad. Like how, in, how dare this moose intimidate my grandbaby. And so we turn the corner. The moose is still standing there, but this time it's grandmama and the moose. Eye to eye. Grandmama looked at that moose like it was a poodle. And she said, go now, get. And the moose turned around and walked away. <laughs> now, I tell you that story because sometimes your fear is like that moose and you need to talk back to it. The apostle James told us, resist the enemy and he will flee. Some of you need to look at your fears and you need to say, go now, get. Are y'all with me on this? Your fear is gonna show up, but you have got to talk back to your fear. So fear is inevitable, but it is not a stop sign. The A in faith is action is essential. Action is essential. You're gonna feel the fear, so even though you feel it, I want you to take a step forward. Whether it's something you need to say, something you need to do, the way in which you need to be still. Some of you don't need to actually do anything. For some of you, your action is to stop doing stuff. You understand what I'm saying? So action, figure out what the action is. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do next? Or what do you want me to not do? For all of you busybodies out there, y'all with me on this? Action is essential. The fear is gonna show up if I keep moving forward, even if it's just little baby steps. Despite the fear, will I eventually get to the end of this stage? Eventually, I'll get there. So you have to ask, what's the small but meaningful step? that I could take. Because so often we think it has to be a big leap, but it's the consistency of action that changes our lives. One day after another. It's the discipline that God calls us to, the self-control, which is each and every day, just a little bit, just a little bit. Even if you have a step back, eventually, if you keep taking those steps forward, you're going to get to that place that God wants you to get. <laughs> Y'all are all staring at that too, aren't you? I know. <laughs> And try to ignore it. <laughs> Action is essential. Action is essential. The I in faith is integrity is necessary. Integrity 
is necessary. What I mean by this is that you have to tell yourself the truth. The very first step to getting unstuck that I talk about in Get Unstuck, Be Unstoppable is tell yourself the truth. We lie to ourselves. We pretend like we didn't hear things God told us to do. And some of you ask God whether you should do stuff and God doesn't say anything so you decide that that means yes. You understand what I'm saying? You've gotta tell yourself the truth. And then some of you have some issues that you're just pretending are not there. One of my cousins, Tommy, told me this story that illustrates it so well. When he was nine years old, he was down in the basement, he had some matches, he wanted to see what would happen if he lit a match on fire. Now we all know what would happen. His mother obviously had told him not to play with fire. He's down there lighting the matches. He finally lights up a match, he's got a newspaper, and he's like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I light the newspaper on fire. And so he did it, the newspaper catches on fire, he gets scared, he drops the newspaper. Now if you dropped a burning newspaper on the floor, what would you do? Stomping on it would be a good idea. You look kinda young, if you ever do that, stomp on it. Okay, stomp on it. But, but if you were a nine-year-old boy, what would you do? You would run, you would run. That's exactly what Tommy did. Tommy ran up the basement stairs, went in the living room and sat down with his mom and brother to watch television. So he's just sitting there. And a couple minutes passed and his brother was like, you smell smoke? And Tommy's sitting there like, what? I don't smell anything. And his mother's like, I think I smell something. She starts walking around the house. She opens up the basement door. She sees smoke. She calls the fire department. Fortunately, the, the actual house didn't burn down. But here's the thing. Tommy is sitting there as though nothing is going on. Like he doesn't know what has happened and they're all wondering what on earth has happened. They didn't figure it out until his dad got home. When his dad got home, he looked down at Tommy's shoes and saw that his shoestrings were cinched. Now some of you are in that position. You don't realize that other people can see there's something that's been going on. They see your singed shoestrings, but some of you have a fire in your basement and you have run up the basement stairs and you've closed the door as though nothing is wrong. I don't know if it has to do with the debt you're in, something going on in a relationship, something going on in your career, your health. Some of you, your doctor has told you there's some changes that you need to make and you have not made them and it is a fire in your basement. And if you don't take care of it, if you don't have the integrity to tell yourself the truth, that fire will consume your whole house. If we're going to operate in faith, we have to be honest with ourselves about what God is telling us to step out on faith and do. What's the fire in your basement? What is the issue that you need to address? You see, it's those fears that keep us from acknowledging what the truth is. And I believe the Holy Spirit's always working. Now, we might not be quiet enough to listen, we might be asking everyone else's opinion <laughs> rather than God's opinion, but the truth is always there. Many of you, I can tell, you can think about a relationship, a friendship, uh, a failed relationship perhaps that you've had, and, and if you really go back to the beginning, there was just something in your spirit that said, this might not quite be right. You ever had that happen? And you ignored and you moved forward anyway? Some of you just this weekend, you plunked down a credit card for some stuff. God didn't tell you to plunk down the credit card for. 
And you knew that, you felt it, and you felt stressed out when you were opening your wallet. You said, I should not buy this. Okay, you know that some of y'all, your spouse is sitting next to you, going, see, she's talking to you, she's talking to you right now. You know you weren't supposed to get that. But we have to be open enough to just listen. And we have to be courageous enough to trust that if we are open to the honesty, that God can work in us and he can work through us, that he can transform us into what he needs us to be. Sometimes that means that we need to talk to somebody. It might mean you need some counseling. It might mean you just need to have an honest conversation with that person, you know who that person is. Tell yourself the truth. The fears that come up, there's four core fears that come up. There is fear of failure. We all know fear of failure. Most of us don't want to fail, but some have a core fear of failure. You think failure is the worst thing of all. You don't want to be embarrassed, so you keep your dreams very small. Things that you know you will succeed in so that you don't have to worry about failing. No one has to see you fail. In fact, when you have a big goal, you never tell anybody about it because if you don't tell them about it, they never have to know if you fail at it. Am I talking to anybody? Okay, so some of you have a fear of failure. Some of you have the opposite. Some of you have a fear of success. And it doesn't seem like that's something you should be afraid of, but if you've ever noticed, if you're good at something, you're really good at your job, if you are so good at it, people will keep giving you more work. You understand, when you're successful, people put more responsibility on you. Your coworker that doesn't care, they don't give them extra work because they don't want them to do the work because they do a terrible job anyway, but you, you can handle it. In fact, you might even take some pride in handling it, but secretly, you feel a lot of pressure and stress. Sometimes you're thinking, I don't want to do too good of a job because then there's just going to be more work that's going to come and I'm already tired. Are y'all with me on this? There's a lot of pressure that comes with success. People expect you to keep succeeding at that same level. And that's pressure. But some of you, it's not fear of failure. It's not fear of success. It's the fear that tends to be my core fear. It's fear of disapproval. Every day you think about what everybody else is going to think about what you are thinking about. So every step you make, you're thinking, am I going to be rejected? You don't want to hear rejection. You don't want to hear no. You don't take rejection as something that happens. You take it internally. I, something's wrong with me as opposed to, well, it just didn't, that just didn't work for them. And so fear of disapproval is huge. If you are a people pleaser, if you've said yes, some of you have said yes to some stuff, you're thinking about it right now. As a matter of fact, you're resentful. The person doesn't even know why you're resentful. You're single, your sister keeps asking you to keep her kids. You don't wanna keep the kids, you're tired. And all they ever say is, well, you don't have any kids, you got time, you got I got time to do stuff I wanna do, you understand? But you won't just come out and say that. You're a people pleaser, you fear the disapproval. And then some of you, you don't have any of those fears. Your fear is losing control. Losing control, do we have any control freaks in the room? One, two, three, so we, you know what, that is such a lie. There are more than nine control freaks in this room. And you know what? See, the nine that raised their hands, there's hope for them. But the others of you, you're so controlling, you won't even let other people know that you're controlling because they don't need to know your business. You understand? That's how deep your fear is. But when it comes, y'all are laughing loud because you know I'm talking to you. 
When it comes to telling yourself the truth, expect these fears to come up and then deal with them. Move forward despite them. Here's the last two. The T in faith is timing is God's choice. Timing is God's choice. We try to tell God when to do what he needs to do for us. But our job is to trust God's timing. And it's not about trusting God to do what you've told him to do. Because we often pray that trust. Lord, I trust that you're going to get me the job at XYZ Corporation by the end of this month. Because I got some things I need to do. Right? But it's really important that you trust God, period. That if he doesn't do what you've asked him to do, you will still be okay. Are y'all with me on that? Trust him, period. But the H in faith is happiness is your choice. Happiness is your choice. You can't control God's timing, but you can control your happiness. And so what we have to do when we are walking out in faith is we have to say, I am not going to hold my happiness hostage. I am not going to say, okay, I'll be happy, Lord, when you bring me children. I will be happy, Lord, when I'm in a happy marriage. I will be happy, Lord, when you give me that promotion, when I pay off my debt. No, you make a decision to be happy now. You make a decision that God has given you everything you need to have joy right now. And if you can do that, then you've really exercised faith. Are y'all with me on that? If you can walk in joy while you're waiting for God to bring forth the thing that you most want, then you have exemplified the kind of faith that Hebrews 11 and 6 talks about. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. God bless you. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.